Bethel Church. Let's continue to worship this morning as we spend some time uh, in the Word together. In fact, if you have your Bible, I would invite you to open it to John chapter number 8, the Gospel of John chapter number 8. If you don't have a Bible or you forgot your Bible, if you'll look in the pew back right in front of you, there should be a Bible there. You're welcome to use that this morning to follow along as we spend some time in the Word together. Also, if you're here and you say, Danny, I don't have a Bible, you're also welcome to use that Bible this morning and take it with you. It can be your Bible. We've got plenty of others. We'll replace it. We want you certainly to have a copy of God's Word. We want you with us today as we journey through the words of Jesus to discover what He has for for us, especially in this invitation of come and see and exploring the life of Christ. What better way for us to live than to look to Jesus? So take your Bible, uh, John chapter 8, as you are heading in that direction, I want to tell you about an interesting story that was shared with me not too long ago about a group of aeronautical engineering professors who were invited to fly for free on a new aircraft that was just being introduced. As the door was closing and the plane was about to take off, a voice came over the intercom and said, thank you for your confidence in taking the first flight on this new aircraft. By the way, it was designed and built by all of your students over this past year. Now, as there are teachers and professors in the room, you might already be having some thoughts. I'm with you. Uh, as you might expect, all the professors began to unbuckle their seatbelts and make their way to the exit door of the plane. However, while all the other professors were frantically fighting uh, to find the exit, one professor remained calmly seated with a smile on his face. One of the professors standing in the line to exit the plane asked him, why are you not getting off the plane? After all, don't you know that the plane was built by some of our recent students? And the professor who remained seated on the plane replied, yes, I know that, but there are students. That's why I'm not getting off the plane. So another professor who was standing close by also said, so you're sure that you taught your students well enough to build this? And the professor that was seated smiled and said, no, I'm not sure but I am sure that it won't fly. <laughs> Listen, it's one thing for those professors to say that they taught their students well. We could say whatever we want to say, but it's another thing for them to ride on the plane that their students built. Any of us can say something, but what happens when what we say is put to the test? What happens when quality control steps in and puts the value of the product to the test? We've heard this put in several different ways in our lives. This might be the, the moment of truth, right? Or uh, where the rubber meets the road or put your money where your mouth is. The point is less of about what you say. It's less about what you know. The point is really about what you do. Here's what we know. You will show what you really believe in. You will show what you really value by the way you live your life. Do we agree? Don't just tell me, show me. Jesus makes this same argument with the crowds in John chapter 8. As you remember in the context of our discussion in this chapter, Jesus had been teaching in the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles. After he had taught, after they had heard the authority of Jesus, after they had seen so many of the things that he did, in John chapter 8 verse 30, John tells us that many people believed in Jesus. In fact, earlier they even said, who can do greater works than this man? He's got to be the one that he says he is. Yet, 
even though they said these things, Jesus wasn't satisfied simply with what they said. Jesus is never satisfied simply with lip service. So he takes this moment and he does what I like to call some quality control. He teaches those early believers what faith in him means and what it means when they say they believe in Jesus. And as he does so, he teaches us something that's extremely important. Here's what we discover. Being a disciple is about a direction, not simply a decision. Being a disciple is about a direction, not simply a decision. It's not just about what they say. It's not just about what they know. It is about what they do. Do you follow Jesus? Have you surrendered to his leadership, his lordship over your life? Jesus is doing some quality control, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. So here's what I invite you into. We're going to start reading in just a moment in John chapter 8, verse 31. That's where we pick up in our time in the gospel of John. But I want you to be very honest to yourself today as you hear the words of Jesus and you think about your relationship with him. I want you to think through the lenses of what Jesus talks about through his word. I want you to use that as a lens to look into your own life, your own heart, and ask this question, am I a disciple of Jesus? Look at it with me. Look at the the quality control. It begins in verse 31 of John chapter 8. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. He's looking at those who have made a claim, who have said something, will they also do something? This is not the first time, by the way, that Jesus experiences a crowd who says one thing but does another. Back in John chapter 2, many people believed because of the works of Jesus, but he didn't entrust himself to those people. Why? Because he knew they didn't really believe in him. In John chapter 6, Jesus tells them he's the bread of life. He gives them some really hard statements. And all those people who claim that they followed Jesus after hearing his words, guess what they did? They walked away. They decided they no longer believed. Why did Jesus do it? Because he was testing the genuineness of their faith. He knew those who really believed from those who did not. This is what's happening again. He says, if you are truly my disciples, you will abide in my word. Let me give you some some thoughts for today. Quality control moment number one. You ready? True disciples find their home in Jesus. True disciples find their home in Jesus. Maybe you think, Danny, that's an interesting way to describe this moment. It is, but it's based off of the word that Jesus uses for abide. It means literally to remain or reside. It means to stay with such as to lodge or to live with. This word abide makes me think for me, the comfort of my own home. I don't know if you're like me, but I can tell you right now, there is nowhere else I would rather be than at my house. There is nowhere else I would rather be than in the comfort of my own home. Sure, it's great to travel somewhere. Sure, it's great to see some things. Sure, it's great to visit with family. It's even fun to be at your house from time to time. Thank you for inviting me. But there's nowhere 
no matter how great your house is, there is nowhere I would rather be than my own home. True disciples find that the greatest place of comfort, the greatest place they would rather be is in Jesus. That's what he means when he says abide. He's not saying you came one time and looked. He's not saying you came one time and experienced. He's not saying you came one time and then you decided to leave and go somewhere else. No, no, no. He's saying if you truly are my disciple, you find your home in me. Why? Because you abide there. You live there. You stay there. You remain there. Jesus is your home. That's what he's communicating to these disciples. Not like the ones back in John 2 who said, one thing and then left. Not like the disciples in uh, John chapter 6 who said one thing and then left. No, he's saying if you really do believe in me, you will abide, you will remain in my word. Now this phrase, my word, is really to be thought of through two different lenses. When Jesus uses the word, word, right, that can get a little confusing, He's also referring to himself. If you remember in the beginning of John, in the very first chapter, he calls himself the word of God. And when he says to abide in my word, it would certainly mean to walk, to remain, to abide, to stay in obedience to Jesus. But he would certainly also, when he uses the phrase, my words, be referring to his literal words that he says. As a true disciple of Jesus, we must live our lives according to his teachings, his words, what he's given us in the Bible to base our lives upon. Those who are true disciples of Jesus are those who make his word their home. So to live in his word that they will never depart from it. Now, can I just point something out to you in the context of this discussion that Jesus is having with the crowd? This statement by Jesus, abide in my word, is vastly different from what the crowds thought in that day. They had a different idea of what it meant to be in a relationship with God. Can I tell you something? It's vastly different than what many Christians or so-called Christians think today. When they think, what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus? What does it mean to abide in him? What does it mean that Jesus is my home? What does it mean to follow him? For many people, they base it on so many other things rather than a relationship with Christ. Do you agree? Of course you do. How many people base their relationship with God on their family or how they were raised or their church membership or if they went to a Sunday school class or not? Now listen to me, all those things are good. We want you to serve the Lord. All those things are great, but that's not the basis of my relationship with Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, you are truly my disciples if you were raised in a Christian home or if you attended a Sunday school class. He says, you are my disciples if you abide in my Word. Now listen to how this discussion continues. I want to help you see something. Look down at verse 37. Pick up with me there. Jesus, after they've entered a discussion of them claiming that we are the children of Abraham, here's what Jesus says in verse 37. He says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because, listen to it, my word finds no place in you. You know what he's saying? 
He's saying you can claim you're children of Abraham. You can claim you're the best church member in the world. You can claim you're the nicest to the people in your neighborhood. You can claim that you always make the right decision. You can claim by whatever pride is in your own heart to build up yourself as if you are something. But here's what Jesus reminds them of. They can claim, they can say, they can talk about whatever credentials they want to talk about. If they don't find their home in Jesus, none of that matters. None of that means anything because it begins our journey with him when we believe, when we trust, when we abide, when we make Jesus our home. That is the basis of our faith in Jesus. He's pointing out to them, I don't care what you claim about your past. I don't care what you claim about your family. I don't care what you claim about yourself at all. You must find your home in me. In fact, he even points out to them that though they are literally the offspring of Abraham, their ancestry claiming that Abraham is who they're from was not also the same as claiming that they are children of God. In their mind, they equated their faith to something that was not Jesus. They equated their relationship with God with something else that was happening in their life when the entire time his word found no place in them. I wonder how many of us he would say that same thing to. I wonder how many of us he would say, hey, Danny, you claim that you're a pastor of a church. You claim that you really love me. You say one thing, you say another thing, you stand up in front of a group of people and you make these accusations about my word, but why does your life not reflect what you say? That's what he's telling these people. He's saying you can make whatever claim you want to make, but do you live what you say. In fact, he's thinking about their father Abraham that they're claiming they're the offspring of. But if they were really children of Abraham, would they not live the way Abraham lived? You say, Danny, what do you mean? It had nothing to do with Abraham's ancestry. It had nothing to do with any pride that Abraham could claim about himself. Here's what we learn in Genesis chapter 15. Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. What was it that made Abraham righteous? It was his belief in God's word that made him righteous before God. The crowds Jesus was talking to would have to do the same thing. They would have to believe God's word. They would have to believe Jesus, and then they would be children of Abraham. Okay, Danny, what does he mean when he says believe? Well, look at verse 39. Keep going with me. Jesus said to them, watch this, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. He's now comparing them to the father that they want to claim that they follow after. But Jesus says, if you would have followed Abraham, if you would have believed like Abraham believed, you would be living different than the way you're living. They can claim to be children of Abraham. They can even take shots at Jesus, making fun of him, and they'll continue to do so. They'll call him a Samaritan. They'll say he was born of sexual immorality. They'll call him possessed by a demon. But here's what we know about Abraham. Jesus is speaking truth to them. He's saying, if you were really children of Abraham, if you really belonged to God, you would do what Abraham did. You say, Danny, what did Abraham do? Listen to this, and it's just the very first interaction between Abraham and God. It's found in Genesis chapter 12. Listen to this. Now the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. But don't miss this part. That's what God says to Abraham. It's one thing to hear God's word. It's one thing to say something, but what do you do? Watch this. So Abraham, after hearing what the Lord said, Abram went as the Lord told him. Listen, when God called Abraham, he did more than simply hear him or acknowledge him. He didn't say, who are you to command me? I'm the mighty Abram. No, he went as the Lord had told him. In fact, listen to me, over and over again throughout the life of Abraham, you discovered this same pattern of obedience. Abraham heard the word of God and then he did it. He heard God and then he obeyed. Even when God wanted him to sacrifice his own son, he asks no question. He gives no argument. He simply did what God wanted him to do. That's the difference between those who claim to belong to Jesus and those who are truly Jesus's disciples. They abide in his word. They find their home in Jesus, not who their family is, not where they're from, not their church attendance, but listen to me, friends, over and over and over, they come back to him. They abide in him. They find their home, their very place of comfort, their rest. They find it in Jesus, not just in what they say, but in what they do. As a matter of fact, Faith certainly begins the moment that we believe in Jesus. Do you remember this conversation with Nicodemus back in John chapter 3? This will be familiar. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in me should not perish but have eternal life. But here's where I think the mistake happens a lot of times on our end. You ready? I think a lot of times we don't realize that belief is the beginning of our journey with Jesus, not the end. Friends, can I tell you something? Those who truly believe in Jesus, who are his disciples, are those whose belief is seen through behavior. When Jesus speaks about believing in him, when he speaks about faith in him, he's always talking about action. He's not just talking about acknowledgement or mental consent. Faith, belief is an action word. Genuine belief, genuine faith always reveals itself in obedience to Jesus's word. It always finds its rest in him. It always abides in his truth. Listen, when Jesus speaks about believing in him, when he speaks about faith in him, he is always talking about action, always. Belief was never the destination. It was the starting point of the journey that continues to grow through obedience to his word. Can I leave you a little principle here? Listen to this. Jesus was never looking for decisions. He was looking for disciples. He's looking for those who believe in him, trust in him, to the point of surrendering their lives to his lordship. He becomes our king, our ruler, to direct our lives as he sees fit. Let me help you see this, you ready? His word is what I stand on. His work on the cross is what I trust in. His way is what I follow. His will is what I seek. Salvation was never a one-time decision as you walk down an aisle or you filled out a card or you joined a church or you even got baptized. That wasn't the end. It was the beginning. If you truly believe 
in Jesus. If you are truly a disciple, you will abide in his word. Maybe for a moment, you need to think, just like me, listen, I wrestled with this text as well. I'm I'm not just talking to you as someone who thinks they know what's happening. Listen, I wrestled with this truth. I had to think about my own life. You too need to think about a serious question. Am I a disciple of Jesus? Am I really following what he says? Am I abiding in his word? Is my faith based on a decision that I made so long ago that I can't even remember it? Or is my faith based on a direction that I've been walking in since I decided to follow him? Listen, friends, faith is more than a savior who keeps you from going to hell. Thank God it is about a savior who keeps us from going to hell. But that's the beginning of our relationship with him, not the end. Faith is surrendering to the leadership and lordship of Jesus every single day. So ask yourself, am I a true disciple? Do I find my home in Jesus? Do I abide in his words? Do I? Well, Jesus says, if you're a true disciple, you will. Secondly, Jesus says, true disciples find their help in Jesus. Certainly they find their home. He is who we abide in, but they also find their help. You say, Danny, what do you mean? Look at John chapter eight, verse 32, jump back up. Jesus gives us another powerful statement, right? If you're truly my disciples, you abide in my words, but watch this, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, hallelujah, right? Praise and rejoicing comes from his people as we think about the truth that we've been set free when we think about Jesus. Listen, certainly the words of Jesus are truth. The Bible communicates this over and over again. Psalm 119, 160, the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Jesus will later say when he's praying on behalf of his disciples in John chapter 17, he'll say, God, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Truth. I love how John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, talks about the beauty, the treasure that is God's word. Listen to what he wrote. He said, I tell thee, friend, there are some principles that the Lord has helped me to lay hold of that I would not have taken out of the Bible for as much gold and silver as I can lie between York and London, piled up to the stars. He's saying there is no value you can place on the truth that is God's word. That's the treasure that we have. That's the guide that goes before us. That's the help that we need every single day. It's here for us to follow. But listen, not only is his words the truth, but Jesus himself is the truth. Here's what John would later write as he quotes Jesus in John 14, 6, when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, the only way to get to the Father, the only way to be set free is through Jesus and his word. Okay, well, what does the truth, what does Jesus and his word set us free from? That's the question they ask. Look at verse 33. They answered, Jesus, we are offspring of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? This statement is laughable. Not only have they been enslaved to many people, the very festival they're celebrating in the context of John 7 and John 8 is a celebration of their release from the captivity of Egypt. 
After Egypt, they were captive to the Assyrians, to the Babylonians, to the Persians. Even as Jesus is talking to them, they're under the rule of the Roman Empire. What do they mean we've never been slaves to anybody? Well, it's probably that they're thinking about religious freedoms. Though they've been ruled by many nations, they've never stopped worshiping God freely. This is why they boast, we're the offspring of Abraham. I've been at this church since I was born. I've been a Christian nine months before I ever came out of my mother's womb, right? They're boasting about who they are, their own credentials. And Jesus is saying, that doesn't matter. Unless you receive me, believe in me, unless you follow this word, unless you live in truth, you don't know me. In fact, he says they can say whatever they want. But without him, here's what Jesus says in verse 34. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. He's not talking about the slavery physically that they've experienced in this world. He's talking about a much worse enemy than the Egyptians or the Assyrians or the Babylonians or the Persians or the Romans. We are ruled and dominated. We are held captive by a much greater enemy. We are slaves to sin. You know what we read about this in Romans 5? Listen, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. This is the history, not just of those that are in the crowd with Jesus. This is the history of every person. Sin is what we know. Sin is what we do because sin is who we are. We practice sin. We live sinful lives because we are slaves to sin, born into a sinful nature. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's all we know. We're slaves to it. And listen, a slave, Jesus says in verse 35, does not remain in the house forever. No, a slave could be tossed about, could be discarded, was worthless. A slave owed a debt they could never pay. But listen to what Jesus says, but the son remains forever. Watch this, verse 36. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What's Jesus talking about? The truth will set you free. He's talking about him. He's talking about his word. What will they be set free from? The sin that enslaves them to bring them to an eternity separated from God. Jesus, the son, can break those chains. I love how Romans continues. It says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. In other words, when Adam sinned, it was passed to all of us. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Jesus is talking about his death on the cross. He's saying, hey, if you want the penalty of sin to be broken, believe in my words. The truth will set you free. Trust in me. I'm going to die for your sins that you could never pay. I'm going to make a way for you. And then he resurrected from the grave. You want to know why? Because not only did he die for our sins, he offers us new life so that we could walk in his truth, so that not only could the penalty of sin be broken, but the power of sin could be broken every day as I seek him, as I walk in his truth, as I study his word and say, Jesus, make me more like you. Jesus, make me more like you. I'm going to abide. I'm going to find my home in you because you are the help I need to live every day. 
way, the way God desired. I love this in Romans 6. Listen to these words. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. You know this verse. Listen, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, I want to say something to two different groups in here. You ready? You say, Danny, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Well, can I tell you something? The wages, the debt of your sin is death. You deserve to be forever separated from God. But listen, God made a way for you for those chains to be broken if you will surrender your life to Jesus. You can be saved today. But can I talk to another group? You say, Danny, I I believe in Jesus. I've confessed my sin. I've told him I wanted to be his followers. Well, listen to me. That free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, it began the moment you decided to follow Jesus. It did not end there. So every day, guess what, friends? He wants to bring you back to his word so that he can continue to break the chains of sin in your life. You may have thought, you know what, Danny? I made a decision. I, I, I filled out a card. I walked down an aisle, but I, you know, I hadn't really done anything since. I thought that's all there was. No, friends, it's not the end. It's the beginning. Do you walk in the truth that is Jesus? This is the progression. What are you missing? Do you believe? Do you abide? Do you walk in truth? Have you been set free and are currently being set free from sin? I don't want you to miss the comparison that we see in Romans and the comparison that Jesus makes in John 8. Friends, listen to me. There is no neutral ground. You can't make a decision to follow Jesus and then never actually follow him in obedience. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus never issued the invitation to believe without an invitation to follow. It's an action word. Saying you believe, mental consent, acknowledgement was never what Jesus desired. He always wanted more than a decision. He wants disciples. Never has following Jesus been passive. Fill out a car, become a member, sit on a pew, make a mental note. No, it's always been more about a direction than a decision. As the hymn writer put it, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Friends, you follow him or you follow someone else. Matter of fact, Jesus tells us who that someone else is. Look at verse 44. We can't spend much time there, but listen to what he says to him. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. What were they? He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Why don't they believe him? Because they follow someone else. They obey another master. But Jesus says, which one of you convicts me of sin? You know what he's saying? Measure my life up against all 613 commandments. I am full of grace and full of truth. The devil is a murderer and a liar. You decide who you want to follow. Ask my family. Go back to my birth. Look at my life. You can go anywhere from uh, Cana to Capernaum, from Bethesda to Bethsaida. They could look at everything he ever said, ever thought, ever did. They could talk to friends and talk to enemies. Guess what they would find? Nothing but truth. Why? Because he's who we should follow. He's got it all. Why would we choose anyone besides Jesus? Friends, do you 
find your help in Christ? Do you trust him? Do you follow the truth of his words? Do you, his ways, his words, his will, do you follow Jesus? True disciples find their home in Jesus. True disciples find their help in Jesus. Let me share this last one with you. I'm done. True disciples find their hope in Jesus. Listen, true disciples don't base their relationship, their, their, their value, they don't base their religion on anything other than a relationship that they have with Jesus. I love what he says in verse 51. Look at it. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, abides in my truth, right, all that he's been saying, he will never see death. I love it. What's he promising? There is no hope apart from Jesus. Where do you place your hope? As a matter of fact, they bring up another argument with him down in verse 52, 53. They say, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died as the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? They're asking him. There's no way you're better than our father Abraham. There's no way you're better than Moses. There's no way you're better than the prophets. If they could not do what you're saying and you say you can, are you better than them? And Jesus says, absolutely. Look at verse 58. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. You know what he's saying? I am. I am your home. I am your help. I am your hope. There is nothing outside of me. Do you place your trust in Jesus. I love when he tells them they're putting their hope in everything else, right? They're talking about Abraham. They're talking about their past. They're talking about, you know, all their stuff, their rituals, their temple, their whatever. All, their hope is in all these other things. And Jesus says, it can only be in me. In fact, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. They were like, you're just a young man. How can you be talking about somebody who lived 2,000 years ago? And that's when Jesus says, because even then I am, Right? I am eternal. I am forever. I am even greater than your father, Abraham. He's not saying that Abraham was present with them on that day, sitting with Jesus, watching what was happening. He's not talking about that. He's talking about prophetically, Abraham trusted in a coming Messiah. He's talking about prophetically, Moses trusted in a coming Messiah. The prophets trusted in a coming Messiah. They all pointed toward Jesus and were glad to see his day. They're living in it, and yet they miss it. Why can Jesus make such a promise as you will never die? Because he's the great I am. Abraham, as great as he was, couldn't break the chains of sin and death. Moses couldn't do it. The prophets couldn't do it. But Jesus could. Friend, you can place your hope in a lot of things. But none of them can compare to Christ. So listen, we're all left with this discussion that Jesus has. We're left to wrestle with these words today? Where do we stand as we measure our lives against the words of Jesus? Are we truly his disciples? Do we want to be, or will we reject him? Look at verse 59. It's so interesting to me. I promise. I said I'm done like five times, but really. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Listen, the chapter ends the same way that it begins. I don't know if you remember this at the beginning of chapter eight, but they found a woman caught in adultery, and what do they want to do to her? They want to throw stones at her. Then we get to the end of chapter 8, and Jesus speaks, and they want to throw stones at him. Some believed in John chapter 8, verse 30. Others rejected and wanted to kill him. Listen, there's one side and there's another. You two have to make this same choice. Who is Jesus? Will you follow, believe, 
Or will you reject? Do you want to pick up a stone and no longer want what he has to offer? The ones who should have known him most are the ones who missed him the greatest. Preoccupied with every jot and tittle, they were unable to connect the obvious dots that Jesus was putting before them. So listen, friend, what about you today? As you think about these words, as you wrestle with what Jesus teaches in John chapter 8, do you find yourself fitting into what a true disciple is? Have you found your home in Jesus, your help in Jesus, your hope in Jesus? Are you living, walking, following? Are you being obedient to what the Lord wants? Or are you doing your own thing, living your own way, choosing how you want to be? Is it all about you or do you submit, surrender, follow Jesus? That's the test. It's that simple. Do you want him or do you want you? Are you a child of God or are you a child of this world? Is your father the devil or is he Jesus? That's the question today. And so listen, Jesus isn't looking for decisions. He's looking for disciples. He's looking for those who will follow him. So I want to give you two thoughts. You might be here today. You say, Danny, I I believe in Jesus. I gave my life to him, but I tell you, man, listen, I I really, I'm in a season of life where if you looked at my life right now, if you followed me for a day, you would go, there ain't no way you really are a Christian. Listen, I don't want to freak everybody out. We all go through seasons like that. I'm not telling you you're lost because you've made a mistake, because you've sinned in your life. That happens. The question Jesus is asking is, do you find him? Do you go back to him? Do you rest in him? When life goes crazy, when you make some of your greatest mistakes, when you find yourself at the bottom, is it Jesus you run to? In our Sunday school class this morning, we talked about Peter, and we talked about how much he stood for Jesus when he walked with him, and then how quick he was to deny him when he was faced with adversity. But his life didn't end there. No, we know he had another chance. We know he went through a season of denial, but then God used that to to lead him to start the greatest movement we've ever seen, the church. Listen, I'm not saying you won't make mistakes, sure, but do you follow Jesus? Listen, if you're a Christian in the room, you say, Danny, I've been in a season where I haven't been, then listen, today is an opportunity for you to wrestle with what Jesus is saying and look in your own life and be real, be honest, be true, and say, Jesus, show me, am I a disciple? Have I surrendered my life to you? Did I simply make a decision? Did I just fill out a card? Did I just do something somebody else wanted me to do? Or do I really desire to follow after you? And it may be you never gave your life to Christ. Or it may be you did, but you're in a bad season where you've been looking for your hope in other things. Listen, today, Christian, it's an opportunity for you to confess that. Turn back to Jesus and begin walking with him. That decision you made years ago may be true, but is it being fleshed out as you live after Christ? If not, let's spend some time with him today, asking him to forgive us, committing our lives to him. But listen, if you're here this morning, seriously, and you say, Danny, I don't think I have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have made a decision, maybe you haven't. But you're here right now and you're hearing the words of Jesus. Don't hear my words. I'm an idiot. (laughs) You can laugh at that. I want you to hear what Jesus is saying this morning. I want you to listen to his word. Are you truly his disciple? You and him wrestle. If you say, Danny, I'm not, then listen to me. I'm about to walk back there to that lobby and I'm gonna stand kind of over on this side. So when you go out kind of to the right, find me and just come up and say, Danny, I'm not a disciple. 
and I'll know exactly what you mean. I'll take my Bible and we'll begin wrestling together and you can surrender your life to Jesus today. If you're a believer who's just been wrestling with a bad season, then you spend time with Jesus. You don't need me. You just go to him, confess, get right. Say, Jesus, I want to be a true disciple who does more than says one thing. I want to live it. I want to obey your words. Follow you.